0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast, where we're living for preventative mental health, love, and compassion. So great to have you here yet again. I'm Caroline Heim, and this is podcast three in the series Overcome Negative Thoughts, Overcome Useless Thoughts for everyone wanting to improve their thought life and make their mind a better place. Today, we think about thoughts. We just think about thoughts. Is my thinking correct? If you like these podcasts, please subscribe, spread the word, and recommend them to others. In these uncertain times, please keep your thoughts useful for preventative mental health
1: and share love and compassion with others. Here's Dr. Christian Haim. Yes, hello, Dr. Christian Haim here. And today in this podcast, we start on the real nitty gritty. We begin to tackle your thoughts. We get the knack of noticing your thoughts and we work with your thoughts to write them down. This podcast talks about the principles of logic and cognitive therapy. Now, I know that that sounds like a mouthful. I know it's going to sound boring, but it isn't. I am going to make this information fun and vital for you so that it's actually quite easy to understand. Logic is simple and it's powerful, and we can put it to good use here. No worries. It won't be complex. It'll be fun. We will cover very basic logic principles and cognitive therapy, which is just another way of saying thinking therapy. And we will use this to change useless thoughts into useful thoughts by working with them and writing them down. So For this podcast, you will need to start your journal book or computer file to write your thoughts down. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll say, sure, I'll do that, but you know what? You'll kind of forget, or you'll put it off, or you'll start writing for a day or two, and then you'll stop. What is it about us humans? Why are our brains so lazy? Unfortunately, we all suffer from this. So whenever you find yourself off track with your journal, I'll just encourage you to get back on track to write things down. Last podcast, I hope you wrote down your useless thoughts and you wrote down a goal for useful thinking. So have them ready because we're going to work. We're going to start with logic. Fear not. I studied a lot of logic at university and yes, it can get very involved and very tricky. And there are years of years of philosophy behind logic. But logic is not that complex. You will understand 90% of logic if you can understand this statement. One plus two equals three. If you understand that, then you will understand most of logic. Logic is a lot like mathematics, and that's why it's good for changing useless thoughts into useful thoughts. It's really rare that people battle thoughts like oh my gosh, I keep thinking that one plus two equals four. Because it is illogical, the thought doesn't even pop into your head. Or, gee, I wish I'd stopped thinking that New York was a capital of USA. Thoughts that are factual errors are easily dismissed once we know the facts. So we're not bothered by the same error again. That's the power of logic. And we will use this logic in this broadcast. Broadcast podcast to dismiss useless thoughts really easily. Now, I realize that there are a lot of people that have useless thoughts that are just a bit more complex than that. A thought like this, I made a mistake. I'm such a loser. If you realize that that thought is actually illogical, it makes it easier to dismiss. Now, you may think that that sounds too easy, but a thought like that is actually illogical. Now, a thought like I made a mistake, I feel like a loser, is actually logical, and it's very different. But I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me get back on track. Many of our useless thoughts are thinking errors, but we just don't recognize it. If we say 1 plus 2 equals 4, we realize that that's a mistake, and we don't repeat it. Recognizing is the basis of cognitive therapy, which, as I said before, is just thinking therapy. If somebody would just point out that we're making thinking errors, the sheer logic of the situation would help us change the situation. Uh, It goes like this. If you went around saying, Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I keep thinking that one plus two equals four. Somebody would come up to you and say, Don't be silly. Look at the maths, it just doesn't add up. And you would believe them. And you would stop thinking that one plus two equals four. However, if you go around saying, I made a mistake, I'm such a loser, oh, I made another mistake, I'm such a loser, people placate you, or they contradict you, or they tell you that you're silly, but they don't know how to make your brain believe that this is actually illogical, and because it goes unchallenged, you keep thinking it. So to get over that sort of problem, we're going to look at four logic skills. These are the four logic skills we're going to cover. Number one is understanding if then. Number two is keeping emotions out of it. Number three is understanding what you can and what you can't control. And number four is being proactive. So I'll go through each of those and it'll be really easy to understand. Number one is understanding if then. Now this is the basic premise of all logic. We'll forget about all the tricky stuff of logic. Just remember the if then. Now, if you understand that one plus two equals three, as I said, you will understand most of logic. Let's work with this thought, one plus two equals three, write it down, or at the very least, see it written down in your mind as you listen to this podcast. So now I have to trust that you actually have this in your mind, this written down, one plus two equals three. Uh, now, in advance, I've just got to ask you to forgive me if I sound a bit like a school teacher in this, because I'm going to tear this little equation apart in front of your eyes. So you can see somewhere in your mind the equation 1 plus 2 equals 3. The equal sign, put it in the center of your thinking And you're going to have a left side, which has the one and a plus and a two. And you're going to have a right side, which is the three. The if is the left side, one plus two. The then is the right side, the three. And all of logic boils down to if then. In your mind, substitute one plus two equals three with if 1 plus 2, then 3. Let me tear this apart just a little bit more. Love tearing things apart. Give me a phone book now. Let me rip into it. You know what a 1 is. You know what a plus sign means. You know what a 2 is. Given all of that, if 1 plus sign 2, then 3. And you say, no problems. I understand all of that. That is all that you need to know for logic. That's all that we're going to do for logic. Now, let's look at some logical statements using just that. If two multiplied by three, then six. Easy. If I study harder, then there's more of a chance I will pass tomorrow's exam. If... I put more relationship into our If I put more effort into our relationship, then we should get on better. If I swim in crocodile infested waters, then I might get eaten. If I could leap tall buildings in a single bound, then I wouldn't need to take the elevator. If I could learn from my negative thoughts then they could become useful thoughts. If my favorite jeans are dirty, then wearing these jeans may not be the best choice if I want to make a good impression on a first date. If I see my boss is in a bad mood, then there's probably something wrong. They are all logical statements. Now we're going to look at statements that are not logical, and some of them may surprise you. If two multiplied by three, then seven. Well, it's no surprise that that's illogical. If I hate studying for exams, if I watch my favorite series tonight, then maybe I'll pass tomorrow anyway. That's not logical. If I put no effort into our relationship, then hopefully we'll get on anyway. Not logical. If I swim in crocodile-infested waters, then I'll probably be okay every time. If I could leap tall buildings in a single bound, then I'd probably take the stairs anyway. If I have negative thoughts, then I will never have useful thoughts. If my favorite jeans are dirty, then I have to cancel dinner tonight. If I see that my bo- my boss is in a bad mood, then I've done something wrong. Now these last two are what we're going to look at because we often make these mistakes. If my favorite jeans are dirty, then I have to cancel dinner tonight. Or if I see my boss is in a bad mood, then I've done something wrong. These are illogical conclusions. Yet we reach the wrong conclusion in our brain and get in our own way really often. And we all do this. That's the bad news. But this is going to happen a lot less to you because you're going to take charge. You're going to write it down. Write down some of the if-then decisions that you have made recently. Check to see if they are logical. You will find that some of the if-then Decisions that you have made, like me, are actually illogical. And the reason is because of emotions. That takes me to logic skill number two. Logic skill number one was understanding if-then. And the task was to write down some of your if-then decisions to see if they are logical or not. Logic skill number two is keep emotions out of it. Most often, our thinking mistakes come from our emotions. If we recognize this, it'll all start to make sense. So this is illogical. My favorite jeans are d- dirty, so I have to cancel the dinner date tonight. But this is logical. My favorite jeans are dirty, so I feel like canceling dinner tonight. This one is illogical. The boss is in a bad mood, so I must have done something wrong. But this is logical. The boss is in a bad mood, so I feel like I have done something wrong. Here's the problem. We listen to and we believe our emotions, and that clouds our thinking. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not down on emotions. I love emotions. They make for a wonderful, intense, creative, and passionate life. I love expressing emotions. I love living emotions, and unfortunately, sometimes I like wallowing in emotions. But emotions are wonderful. Not for logic, however. For if-then situations, which is what logic is all about, emotions get in the way. Ideally, what you want is to get your frontal lobe thinking and your limbic system feelings to work together for you, not against you. And the beauty of cognitive therapy, thinking therapy, is not letting feelings get in your way. So we encourage useful thinkings. Feelings, as I said, are a complex and wonderful world onto their own, but we're not talking about that at the moment. Just like René Descartes, the guy who said, I think therefore I am, He knew that feelings can be a problem. So he didn't trust his feelings. He knew that they can get in the way of clear and distinct ideas. So here's the task for our second logic skill. Write down a list of emotions that are problems for you. So that when you experience that emotion, you can just be more careful about the decisions that you make. We all get into high risk situations when our problem emotions come up. The easiest one to think of is anger. Be careful about the logic decisions that you make when you are angry because it may not come out as logical as you would like. Why? Because emotions get in the way of clear and distinct ideas. Now, emotions can't always be controlled, which takes me to logic skill number three. Logic skill number two was keep emotions out of it. And the task was to write a list of a problem, uh, of the problem emotions for you so that when you experience them, you can remind yourself to be just a little bit more careful about the decisions you make. Logic skill number three is understand what you can and what you can't control. We've just looked at emotions, and emotions can't always be controlled. However, you do need to be responsible for them. Now we're going to start inching closer to cognitive therapy itself, because this one insight that I'm about to give you became the basis of rational therapy and all cognitive therapy. So I'm going to take you to another world. I'm going to take you to first century Rome. And this insight which comes from a philosopher. His name was Epictetus. Epictetus was a Greek slave. He was a slave of one of Nero's secretaries. And his owner apparently broke his legs so that he could only hobble about. And Epictetus was really happy when Nero lost his power because uh and died because that's when he gained his freedom. And Epictetus went back to Greece to devote himself to philosophy and a son that he adopted. Now, Epictetus developed a method of thought that could help people survive torture. So this guy knew what he was talking about. So brace yourself. I'm about to give you some centuries-old smart and serious scholarly, stoic, psychological stuff from the savvy suffering servant slave who knew how to survive torture, Epictetus. This is his fundamental insight. And Christian, it had better be good because you're giving it such a build up. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. This is his fundamental insight. Know what you can and what you can't control. That's it. Earth-shattering, I know. If you're able to put this at work in your life, your life will go much, much better because in what you can control, you do your best and let go of the rest. The sheer logic of this statement makes me personally cringe with embarrassment because I'm guilty. I spend too much time worrying about what's out of my control, the weather, if people like me, the economy, or even if my football team is winning or losing. What a waste. I also complain about things that are in my control, yet I do nothing about them. I wish I hadn't said the wrong thing. I wish I would eat more healthily. Oh, I wish I would get round to tidying up the backyard. What a waste. I even let this affect my emotions. I feel sad if my football team loses, even though there's nothing I can do about it. I feel sad about eating unhealthily, even though this is totally under my control. What a waste. This is why this insight is so fantastic. And it deserves a little bit of build up. Now, before I get too down on myself about this, I bet you have got some of this going on in your life. It will sound familiar, worrying about things that we can do nothing about, uh, such as a COVID crisis, the weather, or whether your football team wins or loses, but not doing something that we can do something about. Worrying about things that are out of our control and not doing the things that are in our control sets us up for disappointment and unhappiness. So we will apply Epictetus' idea to improve our thinking and our actions. And we will dismiss any thoughts or worries about things which are not under our control. And we will willingly engage with thoughts about things that are under our control. Then we can turn useless thoughts into useful thoughts, and it will lead to actions and better feelings and better behaviors. And here's where we get to use your journal again to write down some of your useless thoughts so that we can turn them into useful thoughts by moving from what I can't control to what I can control. Now, I can only use examples here, but I trust that you'll be able to write down your old useless thoughts where you can't control something and move it to a new useful thought where you can control. Here are a few examples. Useless thought. I hope it doesn't rain today. Useful thought. Well, I can't control the weather, but I can be prepared for it. Useless. Damn, I'm worrying so much about this recession. Useful. What's the best thing for me to do to prepare financially or for my skills to help me get through this recession? Useless. Oh, where cry, cry. My football team's losing. Useful. Oh, well, I can still enjoy and learn about the game and be inspired by a team that is playing well. Useless, I wish I didn't say wrong things. Useful, how can I improve my conversation? Useless, gee, I wish I'd eat healthy stuff. Useful, how can I learn to eat more healthily? Useless, I wish I'd get around to cleaning up the backyard. Useful, when do I next have time to clean up the backyard? In each case, emphasis is placed on what you can control to let go of what you can't control. And this saves time and you can dismiss useless thoughts quickly. This is called being proactive, which takes me to logic skill number four. But before we get there, let's do a little summary of logic skill number three. Logic skill number three is understanding what you can and can't control And in this, we are thanking the Greek philosopher Epictetus. And the task is writing down some of your useless thoughts and seeing if you can work them into useful thoughts by changing them to be about something that you can control. But now let's go on to logic skill number four, being proactive. And you're going to hate this one. Being proactive with logic means working with your thoughts by writing them down. This is being proactive with thoughts, taking the ball by the horns, tackling the problem head on, rather than just hoping and wishing that it'll go away all by itself. When you write things down, you are already taking control. You control what you can. You make a plan. You carry out an action to help you get more of what you want, more use Full thoughts. Write it down, work on it, then do something about it. I hate to be a spoil sport here, but some of you out there a week from now will say this stuff doesn't work. And then I will ask, have you been working with your thoughts by writing them down? And you'll go, mm, mm, no, I haven't had time. How do I know this? Because this is what happens to me too. It happens to all of us. This is where Cognitive therapy, thinking therapy, takes a little bit of discipline, right? It does. It takes sort of taking the bull by the horns and saying, I'm going to take charge. I'm going to take control. And that's what writing it down, working with your thoughts actually means. So here's your task for part four. Uh, that's logic skill number four. Work with your thoughts by writing them down. See if you can do this for 15 minutes every day and do the things that we're actually talking about. If you do it for 15 minutes every day and you're able to keep that up for a week, you'll be able to internalize it. You'll be able to do it in your mind. I have to remind myself to keep doing this because my emotions often get the better of me. So here are some incentives. Do you wanna keep on worrying about the weather or would you rather be prepared for it? Do you wanna keep on worrying about your team losing or do you want to enjoy what you can from each and every experience? Does the economy concern you or can you do something about your finances? Do you wish you could eat well, talk well, or clean your backyard? Or could you put in a plan to actually do them? So that's number four of the four logic skills. Proactively working with your thoughts. Let's just go over those four logic skills again. Understanding if, then, that's the basis of all logic. Keep emotions out of it, particularly when making if-then decisions. Understand what you can and can't control and proactively work with your thoughts. Now I'm going to whip you through cognitive therapy. In the 1950s, Albert Ellis developed what he called rational therapy. Then he named it rational emotive therapy. Then he named it rational emotive therapy. This was about 1962. After that, came Aaron Beck, who properly developed cognitive therapy, but he based a lot of what he did on the insights of Albert Ellis. Now, you don't have to remember any of that, okay? Here's the point. Beck noticed that a lot of us have a lot of thoughts that are negative and are automatic. When he was working with his patients, because he was a psychiatrist, just like I am, he found that they had thoughts like, I don't like what I'm saying my hairstyle is all wrong. I always get the raw deal. I'm just dumb again, I guess. I wonder if Dr. Beck thinks I'm stupid. And I hope he doesn't notice my ugly pimple. They're the kind of thoughts that we don't talk about because they sound too banal. The trouble is that there are so many of these thoughts going through our minds that they begin to worry us. Beck's idea that thoughts are just automatic and negative is powerful and useful. He asked, why do we believe these automatic negative thoughts? Let's cut them off. Let's replace automatic negative thoughts with new thoughts that are useful and logical. And he came up basically with a two-step process. Number one, identify automatic negative thoughts. And number two, challenge them to produce useful thoughts. Now, unfortunately you'll hear me talking about negative thoughts rather than useless thoughts because that's what beck called them but let's go through his process step number one identifying negative thoughts now there are a lot of different ways of making a list of automatic negative thoughts automatic negative thoughts a n t ants so My list goes by an acronym with the most common ones first, and I've arranged it so that you'll be able to remember it easily. The acronym is COLD MOPS, C-O-L-D-M-O-P-S. Imagine two cold mops. There we go. You've got it. I'm going to go through all of them so that you'll be able to remember it. The C in cold mops is for catastrophizing. It's making a mountain out of a molehill. This is terrible. It's all gone wrong. I just can't go on. I have to cancel dinner because my favorite jeans are dirty. Uh, Remember to test it with if and then to see if this is actually logical. The O in cold mops is living by oughts and shoulds. When you use these words, it means that you're living by rules that are inflexible and irrational. I should always get an A for all of my assignments. Otherwise, I can't be happy. Or people shouldn't get angry. It really burns me up when they do. Use the if-then test to see if these are logical statements. You know they're not. The L in cold mops is called labeling. This is also known as jumping to conclusions. It's attaching a negative label to who you are as a person. I'm stupid. I'm a nitwit. What an idiot I am. If I make a mistake, then I'm a loser. This is illogical. Use the if-then test for it. What is more logical is if I make a mistake, then I'm a person who sometimes makes mistakes. The D in cold mops is called dichotomizing. What dichotomizing means is polarizing, seeing things in all or nothing terms. It's my way or the highway. If I can't win, then I may as well give up. Things are so bad that nothing good will come out of this. Again, looking at all of these, these are illogical statements. If things are bad, then nothing good can exist It fails the if-then logic test, and we can dismiss it. Okay, so we've gone through COLD of cold mops, catastrophizing, living by oughts and shoulds, labeling, and dichotomizing. For the mops, I've got two Ms, two Os, a P, and an S. First M is mind reading, assuming that you know what's going on in somebody else's head. I know what you're thinking. I can tell by your face that you think I'm stupid. Oh, he didn't call me back, so I'm sure that he hates me. We can see that this is all illogical. If somebody doesn't call you back, maybe they hate you, but there are a whole lot of other reasons that they may not have called you back. The next M is mistaking emotions for fact. I feel so ugly in this outfit, therefore I must be ugly. I'm a failure, when really what you mean to say is, I feel like a failure. If somebody treats you well and makes you feel like a million dollars, that doesn't mean that you actually are a million dollars. That's illogical. But yes, you can feel like a million dollars. Just like you can feel like a failure without actually being a failure. So they're the two Ms of MOPs. Let's go to the two O's. The first one is overgeneralizing, which is basing a whole attitude on just a few events. And you see it when you use the words never or always. These things always happen to me. I'll never get it right. I'll never amount to anything. If you say things like this, you can see that you're being illogical and you're basing a whole life attitude on a few events. The other O is overpersonalizing making it about you, taking the blame when, you know what, maybe it isn't. My boss is in a bad mood, so I'm sure I've done something wrong. You're angry, what have I done wrong? These are illogical. Your boss being in a bad mood, it might mean that you've done something wrong, but it also might mean that your boss has had a bad day, he's having conflict with somebody else, whatever. The P in MOPS is predicting the future. It's thinking that you know how things are going to turn out. And because we make this illogical error, it leads to us actually fulfilling the negative prophecy. Oh, I can see this is going to turn out badly. So I'll cut my losses now. And by cutting your losses, you're actually leading to the bad outcome. Oh, this is just going to be another one of my failed relationships. So why should I bother? And because you don't bother, you ensure the relationship's failure. And the S of MOPS is selective attention. It's focusing on one aspect of a situation, particularly the negative things and overlooking the positive. Look at all the mistakes that I made. This is in somebody who got an essay of 85%. You made 15% of errors and you got 85% right and you're looking at the negative. Sarah comes home and says, it was a terrible party because Jake ignored me. Uh, But her sister Susan says, yeah, but John, Caleb, Andrew and Troy both all paid you a lot of attention. So that's the cold mops list. Catastrophizing, living by oughts and shoulds, labeling, dichotomizing, seeing everything as all or nothing, mind reading, mistaking an emotion for fact overgeneralizing, overpersonalizing, predicting the future, and selective attention. Notice three things about this list that I've given you. According to the principles of logic, they're errors, and they lead to false conclusions, or at least conclusions which may not be true. Second thing, Uh, We all commit these errors with alarming frequency. I do, and the people close to me do, and I, i just got to tell you that the people close to me will think it's actually hilarious that I'm supposed to be an expert in this when I make so many mistakes myself. And number three is we seem to accept this situation as normal. To err is human. Yes, it is, but wouldn't it be nice to get our thinking logical, So the laws of logic can give us hope after laughing at ourselves just a little bit. And the hope is that we can change very quickly. With the logic flaw pointed out gently, we can start to change our thinking. Okay, let's pause for a sec. Move over here for a pause. Why do we make such basic thinking errors? Because as Antonio Damasio articulated in the 1990s, we are not thinking beings. We are thinking and feeling beings. And often our feelings win out. I think and I feel, therefore, I feel that I am, I think. But we often favour our feelings over our thinking and allow our thoughts to go unexamined and unchallenged. As I told you, I like my feelings, but when it comes to logic, feelings, not a good idea. Epictetus, our hobbling philosopher who was happy that Nero died, he knew that we needed to be vigilant about our emotions. This is what he had to say. Control your emotions before they take vengeance on you. The next step in cognitive therapy is to move from automatic negative thoughts to useful thoughts by challenging them. We're on the home straight, folks. We'll be done in another four or five minutes. To help correct thinking errors, hold court in your mind, judge the logic of the situation, sift through the evidence, entertain alternative explanations, and replace the thinking error with a new thought you can believe. Another acronym. Listen for this one. This one's actually quite important. I call this process ant eating. An ant is an automatic negative thought. So what we're going to do is eat it. E, we're going to look at the evidence that supports and refutes your automatic negative thought. A, we're going to look for alternative explanations. And T, we're going to look for a new thought that you can believe. And here are some examples. You you arrange to meet a special new somebody outside a cinema for a first date. They don't show up. After waiting an hour, your automatic uh, thought is, they don't like me. Evidence for your automatic thought. Well, I gave them the time and the place, and they're not here. No message, nothing. They don't like me. Evidence against your automatic thought. Well, they seemed like a nice human being when I first met them. I thought they'd have better form. Let's go to the A. Alternative explanations thing. Uh, Alternative explanations, please. Maybe they had an accident. Maybe they're in hospital. Maybe they really like me, and they just don't want to stuff it up. Maybe their cell phone died. Maybe they're at another cinema wondering where I am. Oh, did I say Thursday night or Friday night? So these alternative explanations will lead you to T, a thought that you can believe. I don't know what the hell is going on here, but I will suspend judgment before I find out what actually happened. So we had an ANT, an ANT, automatic negative thought, and we were eating it. We looked at evidence alternative explanations and the new thought that we could believe. Example number two, my best jeans are dirty, I'll have to cancel dinner. Oh my God. E, evidence, my jeans are indeed dirty. Evidence against this. Canceling dinner over jeans being dirty is unreasonable. An alternative, I could go ahead with my dinner, wearing suboptimal jeans. Or I could face the real reason that I want to cancel dinner. Or I could borrow jeans from somebody else, but I probably won't look good. Thought that you can believe, my jeans are dirty, but I have some options here. One more example, your automatic negative thought, because you've caught up with a person who stood you up at the cinema, you sort of sorted it all out and you're at dinner at the moment. Your automatic thought is, I'm likely to stuff up this relationship before it even starts. E. Evidence for, I've had nine previous relationship breakups. Evidence against, well, in five of those relationships, I did okay, it's the other person who's stuffed up. Alternative explanation, I am going through a hard time with relationships at the moment, I haven't met the right person and finding lasting love is more difficult in today's society than I thought, I can't control other people. T, thought that you can believe. I don't know how the hell this is gonna work out, but I'll give it my best shot, on with dinner. Ideally, a new thought brings you closer to reality and it suggests an action plan. Now at least you are sitting at dinner and you're giving it your best shot. This is the action plan. This is the object of cognitive therapy. To get your automatic negative thoughts, ants, and eat them. Find the evidence for, find the evidence against, look for alternatives, then come up with a new thought than you can actually believe. That's cognitive therapy in a nutshell. And when you put it into practice, which you will through your journal and writing things down, it's very powerful. It helps think uh, straighten out your thinking errors. And quite frankly, it'll make life a whole lot better for you. So that's it for podcast number three. In a nutshell... Stand up to your thoughts, don't let them bully you, challenge them. We covered four logic skills, understanding if then, keeping emotions out of it, understanding what you can and you can't control. Thank you very much, Epictetus. And proactively work with your thoughts by writing them down. Then we worked on Aaron Beck's two-stage process of cognitive therapy. Number one, identifying your automatic thoughts with cold mops catastrophizing, oughts and shoulds, labeling, dichotomizing, mind reading, overgeneralizing, overpersonalizing, predicting the future and selective attention. And two, challenging them by ant eating, getting your automatic negative thoughts and eating them, finding evidence for and against, looking for alternative explanations and thinking of a thought that you can believe. If it's a thinking error, don't give it the time of day. Just piss it off. Challenge it. Take charge. At least turn it into a thought that's more reasonable and more useful, one that suggests an action plan. I repeat, stand up to your thoughts. Don't let them bother you. Challenge them and overcome useless thoughts with the weight of logic. This has been Dr. Christian Heim. I'll see you next time. That
0: was podcast three in the series, Overcome Negative Thoughts, Overcome Useless Thoughts. Use logic if your thoughts don't add up. Then it's much easier to overcome them. Cold mops and ants just don't add up. Eat them to produce useful thoughts you can believe. Remember, if you like these podcasts, please subscribe, spread the word, and recommend them to others. This has been Dr Caroline and Dr Christian We'll see you next time for part four.